Hello and welcome to Masters of Divinity. I am your moderator, JP, and I am here with Father Chuck. Hey, what's going on? And uh, so glad you could be here. Folks, a question for you. Do you ever think about the future? Did you ever, when you were a kid, did you ever muse about having a hoverboard or a flying DeLorean? Or, or I don't know, maybe you, you, you had thoughts of Logan's run. Like maybe you thought you were gonna have like a, a jewel in your hand and when you turn 30, they're gonna kill you. I don't know. Uh, wh what did that look like to you? How does the future look to you now that you're an adult? We're gonna go over these things in this episode. And uh, yeah, this is a thesis statement for the podcast because we're growing as, as, as podcasters. So now you know what we're gonna talk about and I, you're not just like completely confused. So yeah, we're gonna talk about the future. what do you think about that, Father Chuck? Uh, th that works, we're, we're talking about the future uh, in the future, and that's always gonna be true for this podcast because the future is always one step ahead of us. In fact, we are never in the present because by the time we process anything, the present is already past us. Or maybe we're always in the present and that time is a flat circle and time doesn't exist. I don't know. I don't know. You know I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to go into directions with concepts made up by people who've written books that I haven't read. So, well, just as an aside to this, what I what I what I'm curious about as we're talking about the future is that like because and I, and I joked with you earlier, we're not just talking about the future. We're talking about the future, like. Right. Adding, adding that that the future, like the, the the sort of pop culture, the future, like what we thought of as kids at the future, and you know, so it's like a it's like a an entity, a concept, but more than just sort of like the time space concept of you know then you know we're in the pre you know there's the present, the past, and then the future, like but more of like you know like you said like Back to the Future, you know those kinds of things, um, and I, I I'm curious about this because. I wonder how much of it is Western. Okay. And the reason I asked that is because a few years ago, I learned about um, the Malagasy people of Madagascar. Oh, uh, yeah. I think you've, we've talked about this on the podcast a while ago. I think so, yeah. Where they have a different conception of time than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. They understand that they sort of see time akin to being on the back of a pickup truck that's driving. And so what you can see behind you in full clarity is the past. The present is in your periphery. Mm -hmm. So it's not coming into focus yet, but the future is behind you and you can't, so no one knows the future. And, you know, and so I wonder like how much of it, because for us in the West, we tend to think of time as a you know straight line and that we're sort of looking toward the future and the past is behind us. Yeah. And so how much of, you know, how I'd be curious to find out, you know, just to be an interesting thing to think about the conjecture of the future and whether this is something that we're much more concerned with in Western thought than we are than, than other parts of the world. But again, this is a way bigger conversation than this one episode is, but just yeah. something to put out there. That does make me wonder how they feel about things like nostalgia. Right. You know, are they, are they, because I feel like looking at it from that point of view, it's kind of like, your past and your future kind of connecting together is like puzzle pieces and it's almost kind of sort of like fitting together. Yeah, I mean, they have, I understand that, well, the Malagasy have like a very rich 
relationship with their ancestors to the extent mm -hmm. that like on the anniversary, like some, some areas of Madagascar that on the anniversary of like an ancestor's death, okay. they will actually exhume the bones and like have some kind of celebration with the bones as sort of like a way to keep the rel the ancestors as part of, as part of the current life. So there's definitely a, a rich understanding of history there that um, that's very different than us who we tend to, um, we tend to sort of, you know, right. relegate people to the past. They're sort of, you know, crystallized in the past or something, but the future is really what we care about. And it's what, it kind of leads to what C.S. Lewis refers to as chronological snobbery, which is the idea that if it's, if it's new or future, then it's more yeah. valuable. Interesting. Well, let me ask you this, Chuck. When you were a kid, did you ever think about the future? Did you ever fantasize about the future as you were like informed by, you know, TV and, and movies and stuff? Um, one of my first thoughts about the future, believe it or not, came from the 1989 Batman. Okay. Because I thought that movie took place in the future. <laughs> um, because, which is kind of weird in retrospect, because it almost looks like it took place in the past. But, um, but I, I, uh, I think it's because the first song that you hear of Prince, it's being played on a boom box at the beginning of the movie and he talks about the future. And I think it was my little, you know, like seven year old brain was like, Oh, it's the future. Um, and so I, uh, so yeah, so I, 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 I believed, so that's where I first started thinking about the future as a concept. And then of course I, you know, back to the future too, right. Um, was something that I saw and that really kind of, put it all into my mind of what the future could be, you know, what, what the future was in terms of technology and all of that kind of thing. And I, um, I've just, I've had a long kind of interest and obsession with the concept of the future. Cause I, I loved, I loved, um, I loved, uh, I see the math coming in. Oh, I, we've got a, we've got an, another master. Look who it is. I, I turned around and I came home just for you too. <laughs> welcome back. I mean, I should say welcome. Welcome to the show. Matt is here, everybody. Yay. <laughs> He's sort of like our Kramer right now. He just sort of shows up. Like, hey, <laughs> mid-scene. I should have uh, like, kicked on a door. And <laughs> in. Uh, Chuck was just telling us uh, how he envisioned the future when, or not how he envisioned the future, but how he thought about the future when he was, when he was a kid. Yeah, so I just I'll 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 wrap it up to to not drag it out too much. But I you know Back to the Future Two really kind of shaped my idea of like technology and things like that. And so I was always I was always now suddenly like as a result of that very intrigued by anything that sort of depicted what the world could be like, how the world could be better as a result of technology and things in the future. I always loved books that had like uh, that had sci-fi art that was you know very speculative um, science fiction type things. You know, like I loved. I to this day still love going to Epcot because I love future world at Epcot and the mm -hmm. idea of, you know, like the land you're using like hydroponic technology so that we can have better crops. Um, I love the architecture to me. Epcot, by the way, looks like the future. Like that's what I think the future is supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be that kind of rounded corners, sans serif fonts, you know, like I, I, I want to wear some kind of, uh, you know, jumpsuit. Um, <laughs> and, um, and I thought, you know, I thought, I, I, and, and of course, Star Trek The Next Generation to me also carried what I thought the future looked like. Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I, so for me, the future is this, it was this 
sort of technological utopia where we as a human species have really banded together to solve our problems. And we have like every kind of convenience known to man. And when I was little, I sort of felt that the year 2000 was like when it all was going to change it. Like somehow like in the year 2000, it was going to be, you know, flying cars and wearable tech and, neon clothes like i just really that's i don't know for some reason i just always thought like the year 2000 well, we'll get to the year 2000 because i feel like they tried to like when the year 2000 happened they tried to make it the future <laughs> like they tried to make everything futuristic that's that's what i remember at least um but speaking of the year 2000 do you guys remember the uh the little um the bit that that conan o'brien used to do on his show. Oh my gosh, yes. In the year 2000 with, and with he, Andy Richter. You're right, which to me captured the zeitgeist of, of like that of that of that gen of that Gen X, you know, idea of the future as this yeah. realm. Yeah, so perfect because like the year 2000 was sort of depicted as that that future. And I love that they kept that bit going well after the yeah. year 2000. <laughs> I was just going to say like I was I remember being a kid and like wondering like when the year 2000 actually happens, are they going to are they going to keep doing this? And they and they kept doing it. And they kept saying in the year 2000 yeah, until until he went to TBS because I guess yeah. NBC retained the rights to that. So then they started doing the year three thousand, and it wasn't nearly the same. <laughs> Do you remember that, Matt? I don't know if you uh, were you a Conan O'Brien watcher when you were a teenager. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that that's cool. Um, you know, when I was a kid, uh. Like I think the the first time I I sort of learned about the concept of the future was was definitely Back to the Future too, and like I took it so literally that I thought the future was in the sky. <laughs> oh wow! Like <laughs> because, you thought it was like a place. Yeah, because you visit. Yeah, because you know it's, if you remember Back to the Future too, they get they get into the DeLorean, it, it flies into the sky, and then most of those credits take place in the clouds. Oh, that's yeah, that's right. That's right. And then they appear in Spring Valley in the future. And so like my six year old brain was like, oh, they they flew to this place called the future that that's like a city in the sky. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and but then, you know, everyone, my, my cousin and my, my parents sort of explained to me what the future actually means and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, so we'll have hoverboards one day. And when I said that to my dad, he said, oh, well, yeah, but I actually used to have one. <laughs> My dad trolled me for like a for for a good couple of days with that. Do Do you? Because rem- I was, huh? It just it, it sort of reminds me of all the people who claimed that like the hoverboards in the movie were like actually working things. Yeah. yeah. And I, I I just remember for two days like begging my dad, Dad, show me the hoverboard. <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> it is messed up. Thank <laughs> you. I'm glad you guys empathize with me. Um, but yeah, that's the Back to the Future Two is definitely sort of my um, my um, the first time I was sort of introduced to the concept of the future, and I started to kind of like you know sort of kind of to dream a little, wonder a little bit about that, especially when you were a kid. I thought about it a lot. Like I remember when I was a kid, I used to like I used to build cities out of like blocks and Legos and stuff and like try to imagine like what a futuristic underwater city would look like or a futuristic yeah like moon city would look like. I used to buy model cars and Legos and just kind of mishmash all that together and 
I used to think that one day I was going to be like a like a architect and like build all these cities. Oh yeah, that would have been yeah yeah. Like <laughs> it makes me think of when I was in fourth grade. Um, we were doing we were studying Florida history, and there was a project about Florida in the future, and we were required to write a. We were supposed to write a paper on what we imagined the world was going to be like in 2010. And I was like, I believe we were going to be living in air conditioned domed cities and that cars would travel on like laser guided uh, tracks. And, um, you know, I sort of the, the dark side is I sort of assumed that the outside would just be so polluted that we'd have to live in like domed cities. Um, oh, yeah. But uh, that's. Uh, yeah, there was definitely some, I mean, there's definitely more optimism when I was a kid. And, and I think like, you know, what's funny is that um, it kind of started to be a bit more realistic about it as I was kind of getting older. And I kind of started to think, well, the future is probably not going to be that different from now. Um, but then there was this commercial that came on that was uh, from AT&T. And um, they recently did a retrospective on the commercial because it was directed by David Fincher. And they made all these like bold predictions about what technology was going to be like, uh, you know, in 20 years. And um, they were actually right about everything. Like there's a part where a guy's like talking to his wife on a watch in the Grand Canyon. Um, I remember this commercial. A uh, ATMs, um, video, uh, like FaceTime stuff. Um, I had to go back and watch it, but I remember watching that. And then like just recently, like a couple months ago, they did a retrospective. And apparently they were like right about everything. And so that actually kind of informed like how I started to view like the future is probably gonna be the same, but like more convenient technology. Right. So Matt, what did you, how did, how did you ever envision the future? Ever fantasize about the future when you were a kid? No, you, you all make me feel like I lacked vision. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I ever really thought ahead to what I thought the future was going to look like mm -hmm. other than trying to figure out what I would be doing in the future, if that makes sense. I think I was just the, I, maybe I'm just very narcissistic is what I'm finding out right now. Um, I was just like thinking, oh, what am I going to be doing in the future kind of a thing. But I do think that um, Back to the Future and Star Trek gave me like, you know, hope that I wonder what kind of cool stuff we'll have. I don't know if I ever had enough imagination to believe that we'd be flying around in spaceships and transporting ourselves from one place to the other. But I hoped that we would be doing something cool by now. At least hoverboards, um, right? Yeah, I mean, hoverboards, I feel like, should exist at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how have we not figured that out? And uh, a real hoverboard, not like some gigantic thing with propellers that somebody stands on and calls a, ho a hoverboard. Well, I was going to say, arguably, because they, they, you know, they, they call those segways without handles hoverboards, and it makes me irrationally no, mad. Nothing, nothing about that is hovering. That is a rolling, <laughs> that is a rolling board. It's, it's, a, ro it's, it's also, a rolling board. It's about to burst into flames. It's also accidents <laughs> waiting to happen, and they fly out from under you and. But that's a different story. But no, I like hoverboard. Probably not just one dream. I only wanted the one dream. I couldn't care less if we had flying cars and spaceships and teleporters and laser guns. I just I wanted a skateboard with no wheels, guys. I don't <laughs> I, I did you guys I think wanted... that maybe like maybe one of the reasons why I wanted hoverboards because I felt like it would just be really easy. Like skateboarding was hard for me when I was a kid because I was a little fat kid, so I had no balance. I was like so, hoverboards are probably way easier. 
No. Gotta be, they used to be way harder. Yeah, they've got to be <laughs> so much harder because there is nothing. It, like you think standing on a skateboard is all about balance, but you still have four points of con- contact with the ground. And then the board, you know, kind of moves back and forth. But imagine no contact with the ground. Yeah, like yeah. any little tilt and the whole thing's going to flip over. Um, yeah, no, so much harder, JP. You, you were living in living the dream man just living in the dream well and clearly the hoverboard in the hoverboards in back to the future 2 are not like hovercraft in the sense of like you know there's not like a fan under them there's there's clearly some kind of magnetic connection so it's some kind of like reverse polarity magnetism thing so yeah. if you ever tried to stick the opposite ends of ma- like the like two negative ends of a magnet together it's like you know that whole like wobbly thing you're doing that on a board i think i think yeah. that's what and that's the other thing it raises all these kinds of fun questions is did someone in hill valley or, or just in that world decide that they were going to invest in the infrastructure to put some kind of like uh like negative like like negative magnetism in all the pavement just so the hoverboard could work well, no, man, I think I think I, I always thought it worked with like the Earth's magnetic pole. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's like that's, that's over the, the water. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the lost. You science, have to right? have power. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, guys, I love that movie. Um, that's so great. Let's just I, change and do the whole episode about that movie. How about that? Back to the Future Two. <laughs> well, we should. I mean, we should do a three-part series about Back to the Future. I don't. We've been doing this yeah, podcast for three years. We haven't done that. We we, we will should do we, a. We, also, pod, we, 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 we should do also, an entire podcast only about Back to the Future and do three years of that. Uh, and we should also do one about like when it, like Batman is like eighty years old right now, right? Or I know we're year. supposed to be doing like a Batman event. And we haven't really been uh, on top uh, of that. I'm kind of Batman. <laughs> um. So okay. So yeah, hoverboards. We can all agree. Like you know, society has dropped the ball on developing the hoverboard. Yes. Um, there's no excuse, really. I mean, I mean there might be a few signs. Scientific excuses, but there's no excuse. <laughs> well, somebody did. They they did develop because there's that. What is crap? I'm I'm such an uninformed peasant. Um, the the um, the dry ice magnet. You know what I'm wow. talking about? Where it's like yeah, they have a track I, with the dry yeah. ice, and they put they get just like it, it just like just hover. It like literally floats above the dry yeah, ice. Yeah, I remember seeing that on like. YouTube or yeah, something. somebody made that into a hoverboard. Like they made a track with that, and they put the magnets on the board. It didn't work that kinda, well because it kept I'm stopping. I'm curious, but I always wondered if you built like like a skating rink, basically, but the entire floor is let's say a a magnet. That's the the north pole of the magnet is up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then you took a board and made the outside lining of the board south and put two powerful north circular magnets at the front and back. Let me tell Did you, you what... cause enough of a balance to where it would hover above the ground and you could do that inside like a skating rink. Let me tell you so my basically brain is... Chuck's concept, but um, in a skating rink instead of an entire city paving their street with magnetic. Let me tell you where, where my brain is heading right now as you're mentioning this. Two polar opposites. On one end, it will give you brain cancer. On the other end, it will probably cure brain cancer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> one of those two is going to happen. 
also well, we, polar opposites fitting for talking about magnetism. So we also do, we also we also don't know that Hill Valley in the future is an outdoor city. It could be an indoor city because if you remember, like there's the scene where um, where Doc Brown's looking at his watch, and he's able to calculate when the rain is going to stop. That either indicates that the weather reading software is that accurate, like with dark mm -mm. skies, like the dark mm -mm. skies app, no, or nope. or it is completely pre-programmed because they are inside a dome. No, you're wrong on both accounts. Doc Brown's already been there. Okay, but uh, the weather clears up very quickly. Yeah, but it's like, that's just really quickly. But that's just you know the future's weird. But Doc Brown's already been Doc Brown in these movies is almost like a a demigod level of intelligence because I, he, time Lord, but. I mean yeah he's like time lord but i didn't want to go cheesy on it but he because he, he's traveled back and forth and all over the place so much that he has like this inner working understanding of the timelines and the effects of them and which ones have changed and been brought back and changed again wait, um, wait. We we need to we need to do an episode on 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 Back to the Future. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he but but yeah no he looks at his watch because he knows the exact moment it's going to stop because he'd already been there. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So we should probably not make this about hoverboards. This 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 podcast. Whatever. That's all um, this podcast is about. Until is I get that, my hoverboard, I refuse to talk about anything else from this moment. <laughs> is the name is the name of this episode going to be like not only about hoverboards? <laughs> hoverboards all the way down. <laughs> um, so, okay. So we've, we've talked about, you know, how we sort of envision the future as a kid, as we fantasize about it. Has, has there ever been moments through your guys, guys's lives where you felt like you were in the future? We are like, we have arrived. The iPad. The iPad. When the iPad came out, it was like, holy crap, that's the thing that's on Star Trek generation. Yeah. The so blacks thin black piece of glass that all your books and internet and everything is accessible. And while you walk around your office, holding it with one hand, doing one of these, yeah. it was Star Trek had an iPad long before we did. Um, when that came out, cause computers and stuff, obviously they progressed. It's like, Oh yeah, this is cool, man. This is like the future. But when the iPad came out, I was like, Oh man, this is like exactly out of a movie I've seen before. Yeah. Like even to the aesthetic of it. So every day I feel like I live in the future mm. that Epcot promised for me. Oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm Chuck and I have a positive outlook on life. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, no, 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 Epcot a lot. Just, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, 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 no. Cause here's the thing. I've got, I've got my iPad right here in my hand. Yeah, Matt, every... Matt is absolutely right. This thing. Yeah feels like the future I saw on television growing up. Uh -huh. Like I read a book on it. It's awesome. I preach sermons from it. It's awesome. I have everything like it's, this is an incredible piece of technology. And right we've here. actually, amazing. and we've actually surpassed the technology that is in like a Star Trek next generation. Cause their touch screens are like sucky um, inter interaction with them. What's what's like the operating system on the enterprise is awful. What are all these like sub menus of orange yellow lines and crap? So, I, anyways, <laughs> well, I justify I justify that in the fact that it is it is a pretty sophisticated artificial intelligence that requires but like an immense amount of very like, little processing brain. Plus, it has to access a it has to access a uh, a uh, a subspace network in order to to drive because I'm, I'm I'm convinced that it's sort of cloud based within subspace. Um, but could you? But just imagine if Apple was, and 
I'm sure stuff like this never happens. If Apple had a government contract and designed like the next submarine or something like that, and picture the, the control panels being nothing but flat black pieces of glass that turn on and you can access your exact controls at any location on the ship because every panel is nothing but a solid black you know, pan, it would be the enterprise. Totally. Everything about it would be would be the enterprise. Yeah, and um, that's what Amazon is doing. Oh gosh. Yeah. But no, let me I'll say, I'll say so much to that point. Uh the things when I feel like I'm living in the future. The iPad, Matt's totally right. My my Apple Watch. Yeah. Feels like the future. Um, when I communicate with Siri, the future. <laughs> when I drive my electric car, um, the future. Siri to me feels like the past at this point and I'm the one that feels like the future to me um, she's yeah she's gonna answer if I say her name so JP say the name again Alexa yes that to me feels like the future Siri feels like she fell behind and needs to um, step up her game on some of the uh, intelligence and response levels <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe. Like, um, the problem the problem is is Alexa is like spying on you constantly yeah well and that so is everything else I mean if you don't think you're being spied on yeah Welcome to the future, Chuck. You're being watched whenever they want, however they want. That's um, when I thought we were in the future when I found this, out they were tracking everything we're doing. <laughs> yeah, we're in Lojack. This unnamed machine sitting off to my this way from me that I don't want to say because I don't want it to interrupt our podcast. But it almost interacts on a level that's frighteningly like talking to a person. Um, and Siri, I feel like, still hasn't caught up with that. Yeah, you're right. But either way, when I'm driving, so like when I'm driving my electric car and mm -hmm. I try to call somebody and I say, hey, <laughs> you know, her name and they call, you know, mom mobile and it happens and I'm driving and I'm not holding a device that feels, you know, when I take it all into consideration that I'm driving an electric powered vehicle while having voice command controls with an artificial intelligence that then calls my family and that that is the future FaceTime. Like what we're doing right now feels like the future. Yeah. Yeah. And also side note, two things. One, that's why I'm excited that again, um, Amazon's version, um, I'm avoiding the name on purpose guys, but Amazon's version is coming out with a car one plugs into your car and does all that too. So I'm excited about that. And the other thing is, JP, I rode in uh, Father Chuck's car the other day for the first time when we were recording for the Good Christian Fun episode. Yeah. And his car freaks me out. <laughs> Why? It's too quiet. It's too oh, quiet. I'm like, it's not supposed to be this quiet. I can hear everything and it's freaking me out. Yeah, there. I remember the first time I rode in Chuck's hybrid and we yeah, stopped those? at the stoplight. And I was like, yeah. did your car just die? Yeah, yeah. hybrid. <laughs> you know, hybrids, my, my mom drove a, drove a Lexus hybrid and those things are super quiet. But Chuck's full-on just electric car makes yeah. no sound at all. I'm like, <laughs> I can hear crickets outside while you're doing 25, and this creeps me out. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, it's creepy. The yeah, funny so, thing about Siri is like, yeah, I, I think that's something that kind of makes me feel like in the future. It still hits me every time I use Siri, even though it's not that great. Um, but like, there'll be times where I'll just like walk into my room in a rush. And I'll be, and I'll like just urgently ask Siri, what time is it? And like the response, you know, is just like, it's like instantaneous. And I'll just take a minute and be like, wow, 
wow, I just asked a computer to tell me something and it told me. And it's it like, is. it's like living my life with me. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I, yeah. Uh, the other, the other one I wanted to say too, is um, when I ride the bright line, for those listeners who don't know, the Bright Line is a private rail system that's here in South Florida that connects West Palm Beach, Fort oh, Lauderdale, yeah. and Miami, and then eventually it'll connect up to um, Orlando. Okay. And when I walk into the station, it feels like the future to me. Like this is what this is what it's supposed to look like. And getting onto this nice clean train with really cool accent lighting, um, it's it's pretty amazing. And that like my ticket is on my phone and I just like scan it onto a thing and I just walk in. It just, it, it just, it feels like, you know, every utopian society movie that I've ever seen of what, like, you know, it like it, it's messed up, but it almost feels like, ah, this is how the people in Pan Am live. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I think that our vision based on TV shows, stuff our vision of what the future would be so much of our technology surpassed what we ever thought we would have already um but i feel like what we're lacking is the aesthetic yes like the you walk into a building it doesn't have that like soft lighting glow everything's like a like a white or a light blue or a gray kind of color that gives you this like cool futuristic feel cool like in color not cool like yo man that's cool um like a cool futuristic feel to it. When you walk into a place that has that and you're holding something like your iPhone, you're like, I just stepped like 200 years into the future. That's true. Um, when you just have those moments of like, where's the aesthetic? Where's the the look that we all wanted? That That's what I feel like we're lacking the most because so much, like I said, so much of our technology, we couldn't have even imagined how well, like when I wanted a communicator on my wrist, I want like, Power Rangers, which was just a giant speaker on your hand. Instead, I got something that can access the internet, view photos, send messages, talk. It's so much more than what I ever imagined. Um, and that's why I'm like, I, 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 the, the aesthetic, where's the aesthetic? Where's the buildings that you walk into and it's just like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, um, that's where I think we're lacking. Brightline station, go to a Brightline station. It it's serious. I'm going to now because you said that. Seriously, and I'm like, amazing. I want to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I will say for me, <laughs> yeah, like, if I go to the, like, whenever I go into the Bright Line and, like, park in their parking garage, which is very clean and modern, and then I have, you know, I can pull a car up to an electric charging port, plug in my car to charge, and then walk over into the, you know, the overpass thing, get into my train. Like, it just, that whole experience is like, this is, this is the kind of stuff that I watched you know, speculative fiction about when I was a kid or I would flip through some book that I got in the library or when I went to like innovations at Epcot and they said, in 20 years, this is what the future is going to be. It just, it feels like that. Sorry, they are uh, right. currently uh, doing yard work outside of my office now. It's all right, you can deal with it. It's okay, they wait till we record and they start. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm waiting, I, I'm waiting uh, Father Chuck for when the parking places for your car aren't plugs, but like wireless charging. You just oh, yeah. park in the parking place and your car is automatically charging. Because, I mean, like, we've got that with the phones now. It's only, they probably already have it. They're just trying to make it affordable. But it's only a matter of time before, you know, the car can well, just be wirelessly charging. Well, I've heard, well, there's, I mean, there, I've heard about that the idea of them interacting, like, install, like, figuring out ways to install some kind of a charging contact in the wheels of a car so that, when you pull into like a like yeah a parking spot could have like these because they, they've made these hexagonal tiles 
that are solar panels that they've I talked about using those for like a whole road but like they could put those into a charging spot and then like when you drive your car onto it it is like a wireless charging platform alternatively you know like if you were to engage like say your parking brake it could drop like a like a contact onto the onto the ground that would charge yeah, your car but, but even more than that what i'm saying it's only a matter of time before we don't need actual contact for it to charge that's true because that's like my Tesla. phone because like my phone charges through the case which i know there's still contact there but you know it's only a matter of time before we remove the amount of distance needed for that charge to to actually work yeah uh, and that's what'll be cool is when just parking your car it's already charging and you park it at home you have a charging thing on the floor it's just charging yeah, well no big sh deal. shifting gears a bit what about no pun intended shifting gear <laughs> you're you're killing it with the puns today jp um, you use uh, the Opposite polarity thing when we're talking about magnets, shifting gears when we're talking about cars. It's, it's what I do. It's on the moderator. <laughs> um, so what about failed attempts of making it feel like it was the future? Like the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe the Fine. 80s. I, the first Just thing that comes to my mind is like, um, like when they introduced virtual reality like back in the 90s, and it was like awful. Do you, do you, what, is the, what is the VR? Um, Oculus Rift? No, the old one. What was it called? The Virtual Boy. Virtual Boy, the one oh, yeah. that gave me massive headache. If I looked into it, it was from more all than like two red. Minutes. Yeah, it was like red and oh, so weird. It's kind of like it looked like you know in um a New Hope when look Luke yeah. his targeting thing on and it is yeah that's what the but yeah the Virtual Boy the attempt at VR oh my goodness <laughs> I, I I liked the Virtual Boy I thought it was cool. <laughs> no, I thought it was awesome as long as I wore it for less than 45 seconds at a time because then I got a pounding headache and wanted to throw up. But no, I, I thought it was cool too at the time. I just told you, I thought it looked like a new hope. I put it on, true. pretended I'm like Luke Skywalker flying through the Death Star targeting thing. I had this, um, when I was a kid, I had this this headset that had this one little eyepiece that, that, that you flipped down in front of your eye. And it had like a projector. And it was supposed to be a Batman game, and I was super stoked to play it. And when you turn it on, it's just like a little avatar of Batman, and like a little thug would appear, and you pressed a button, and he would just punch it. I remember that thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the thing you're talking about, but I don't remember what it was called, and I don't remember. I think what it was else. Batman Forever. I don't know. I remember, I remember that thing. I remember that. And then Google thought, hey, here's an idea. Let's make it again. Google. Glass and oh, how that gosh. turned out. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I, the future. Google Glass. I was going to say Google Glass. I think is probably the most like current and shocking moment of like where they where we we failed at something futuristic. But, I, but but at the same time, I feel like when you yeah, I, I just I, I think we sometimes look at stuff in movies that are you know here's what we think the future is going to be and. And sometimes like ah, that's kind of cool, but I, I but when we come when it comes to reality, I think I think like VR, like VR is really awesome, but the problem with VR is that it requires you to have to wear a bunch of junk. Yeah, and I don't think and, and you look goofy outside of it. I, I think that as when it when it requires more ephemera, right, like a headset, gloves, like all of that, it doesn't really catch on. It is. I think it has a specific use. I think it's fun for games. Like, yeah, I mean, I like the one thing that I think is awesome, and I want one really bad. Is I would love to get like a, an Oculus 
you know, set like uh, set up that you could use augmented reality, which I think augmented reality is way more exciting than than virtual reality. Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> but I think that, um, but I think that like a heads up display augmented reality thing that hooks up to a camera attached to a drone that basically allows me to feel like I'm in the cockpit of a tiny helicopter. Yeah. That like when I turn my head, it looks around. You know, I control it. That to me is, you know, I control it with a little joystick, whatever. I think to me that is like, that's oh, that's a futuristic thing that I want to experience. And I know that their work, they have that stuff now. It's quite expensive, but that to me is when where things like virtual reality and Oculus Rift and stuff, you know, like yeah, games. And I think, I mean, I think the idea of like putting on a bunch of stuff and sort of pantomiming a game and moving. I don't know that that's really ever going to catch on, but the idea of putting on a headset that sort of immerses you in a 3D world, I can see that totally catching well, on. Well, like when when Matt and I went to Dallas and we tried out the Vive, um, that was pretty cool, especially the... It was, it was really cool, but when you're the guy on the outside, it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have video footage. I should probably add that to this. Uh, yeah, yeah you need to put it in. Find the footage and put well, it in. It's and, pretty cool, though. And, you know, the, the games are cool, but my favorite thing to do was it had this program where you could, like, paint. And, oh, the like, painting one was awesome. Create all kinds of art. Like, you could, like, like, draw lines around you and walk through them and stuff, and you can, like, set them on fire. I was like, wow, I could do this like all day. Yeah, it's like That's Microsoft awesome. Paint, except you're manipulating the universe. <laughs> yeah, like imagine um, imagine paint, but just like all around you. Like so cool. Like you just create colors all around you. Well, yeah. I, here's here's something we have here that's pretty awesome. So like I, I often feel like I'm kind of you know, when you well, I guess when you're kids or whatever, you would think about like education in the future. And when they would show like a school, it would be very green and it's like an open plan campus. And the kids all are using tablets for their education. And then, and they're doing video conferencing with teachers or students in other parts of the world. And then they go into their classroom and their classroom has 360 degree images imprinted on the wall and they can like manipulate things and see, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the school I work at right now. <laughs> um, we, cause we have, we have, I mean, it's a, it's a so very it's open school. Seriously. It's like this open plan campus and there's constantly students out like laying in the grass and they have, they have their laptops open and they're doing like video stuff with like other people. Um, they do Ted talk stuff. They um, we have, we have these classrooms called immersion labs that have 360 degree projection on them. Um, it's, it, they, we have uh, we have a robotics lab where kids are building robots. We have three D printers everywhere on campus. Crazy. I mean, we yeah. So that's we and we fly robotics labs. Two. We have we have two. We have two robotics labs. Oh, <laughs> three actually. No oh, three because we have we have one specifically for Lego robots that's um, over in the lower school. But then in the middle school they have a smallish. Well, over here by my church by the church we have the uh, the the 4H Club Robotics uh, Lab um, that's that's a community project that's right here across from the church and then in the high school we have the other one that's just specifically a high school robotics lab yeah it's totally ridiculous yeah um but it's um, and then like the kids are the arts kids are developing things like using 3D printing like really cool vases and stuff it's it's that to me is is pretty awesome why 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 have you not printed us action figures yet I want <laughs> my own action figure i'm uh, you know you know make it an assignment for your students and i want i want an action figure yeah. 
So uh, back on the on the subject of like failed attempts at making you feel like the future. My I instantly think about the early two thousands, especially the year two thousand, and especially like I I remember fashion um, in the year two thousand when everything when they tried to make every fabric uh, like windbreaker material. <laughs> Do you kind of remember that like cargo everything pants? Had and a, stuff? Everything had like a shimmer yeah. to it, and it was like <laughs> waterproof, and except for Chuck's pants that he attempted to use for an illustration. <laughs> um, throwback to another episode. Yep. But yeah, yeah. I yeah i i had a i had a i had a shirt. Uh, it was in the late '90s, but I had a shirt that I don't know what the material was. It was kind of a stretchy lycra, but it looked like leather. Yeah, and I wore that um, on occasion. Was it, it was like a popcorn shirt. Is it a popcorn shirt? You know what? You don't remember those? Like, girl, well, girl, they were for girls, but they were like these tiny shirts, but you could stretch them out to like a full oh, size shirt. I remember those. Yeah, no, it was not that. It was a it was a button down, um, um, short sleeve, but it looked like it was made of leather. Like it looked like like shiny leather, but it was actually a, a lycra. Um, That's pretty funny. You know, I also of course um, wore bowling shirts that had you know like. Well, kick, I, I also just remember like just the desperate attempt to uh, like revolutionize the way we listen to music. Right, the like MP3 we were, players. Like like or, or like the mini disc players that like did not take off. Oh, I got you. I was going to mention the mini disc. I had a mini disc player. I oh, loved. Yeah. I loved it. I loved yeah, the mini I, disc player. I went. I went on a trip and somebody had one. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen, and then I never saw one again. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. how. That's how quick it came and went. <laughs> right. Remember in the Matrix where they were using mini disc for like yeah. his like software, which I thought was really ridiculous because I'd never seen a mini disc player on a computer. Oh oh. Orbits, the drink orbits, that was an attempt at the future. Do you remember that? I avoided it. I remember it just looked weird. But it grossed me out. I remember uh, having it and I didn't I like loved I loved orbits. I got that all the time at the gas station. <laughs> yeah. A gas station seems fitting for that drink. I feel like now's a um, good time since we're talking about the year two thousand. Now it's good... now it's bulba tea or whatever. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> like, it's it's like big orbits. It's I like big orbits is my point. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. <laughs> Boba tea is great, by the way. Uh, since we're talking about the two thousand, I, I think now is a good time for me to plug a, a show that I'm obsessed with right now uh, that Which takes is- place in the year two thousand. Pen fifteen. Pen fifteen. Uh, watch it immediately. Okay. Because it is it is hilarious. Okay, bye. Yeah. Uh, okay. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just hang on. Well, I'll, I'll go it's watch told- it. I just I finished the last. I'll go watch it again. Um, but it's basically about two two girls who are best friends in in middle school in the year two thousand, and just sort of like navigating life back then. And and it, what's crazy about it is it's it's based on these two lady comedians who are best friends, they didn't know each other in the year 2000, but the show is about like, what if they were friends in the year 2000? They went to the same school together. How, and, I, it, sorry, just as a side note, it's weird to me that we've entered into early 2000s nostalgia right now. <laughs> well, like, it, oddies, 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 because what they're calling it, the oddies. Yeah, well, because it ties into the future, because like when I, when I think of I'm early not, 2000s, I think of like, because they tried so hard to make their early 2000s the future. <laughs> like, that's, that's how I remember it. Um, but yeah, like, I guess, uh, but like, I, I, I was just saying like the amazing thing about the show, by the way, is that the two girls who play the main characters are the showrunners. And I didn't oh, realize yeah. that until three episodes in <laughs> that they're two girls in the thirties playing 13 year olds. That's awesome. And I mean, it's, that's and like it's a like, big selling point. And 
everybody says what's incredible about it is how quickly you forget that they're 30. Like oh, you totally. actually buy them as 13 year olds where everybody else in the show is actually 13. Yeah. But the main characters are 30 year olds pretending to be 13, fitting in with all the 13 year olds. The, especially the one girl, Anna, like I, I, I've known a billion Annas in my life. Like she looks like so many girls I knew when I was a kid. It's, it's, it's crazy. Anyway, just quick aside, check out pin 15. One of the funniest shows I've seen in a long time and uh, more people need to reason, watch it. For some reason, JP, that sounded like such an insult moment. <laughs> like I knew so many Annas. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I knew, I knew a the ton world of is, Beckys. The world is full of Annas. <laughs> Surrounded um, by Beckys. I will say, let me, one thing I kind of want to touch on when we talk about, I know you're, you're with future stuff as well. And it's been kind of an interesting thing, I think, to watch happen is I think you're right that in the early 2000s, we did, there was sort of an attempt like, oh, we're in the year 2000. So it's the future now. Yeah. Um, like Millennium. Just yeah. Millennium alone. That's Millennium. Wearab trying to push wearable tech. Best um, album ever. Millennium. Um, right, I mean, I had a I had a Palm I had a, I had a Sony Clie uh, personal digital assistant at that time. Yeah, um, that kind of stuff they were really trying to push. But I, but we at the same time, it. we got it. You were rich. Move on. I wasn't rich. I just <laughs> saved up money for it. <laughs> I uh, I but I you know used the, uh, the the Sony memory stick. Remember the Sony memory stick? No, <laughs> no. Sony Sony went through this period of time. Ironically, uh, we forgot about it. In the late 90s, early 2000s, Sony went through this little period of time where they were really trying to position themselves as like the, as like a, a all-inclusive company, kind of like what Apple is now, like this lifestyle company. And so one of the things they pushed was the Sony memory stick, which, um, you know, like scan disk memory card things that, that actually took off. But the memory stick was something they pushed on all of their technology. I had a Sony, I had a Sony digital camera that used it. Um, I had a Sony, um, um, I had a Sony um, uh, home computer you know, personal computer that used um, memory stick, which was great because I could just plug it from my computer into my thing. So it was like that close, they were trying to go for that kind of closed system thing like Apple that had. Of, that kind of ecosystem that Apple has. Yeah, yeah and it was it was kind of neat because I also had a Sony Clie um, um, personal digital assistant that I think used uh, the memory stick as well. And, um, but weirdly enough, the PlayStation 2 did not use the memory stick, which I thought was very odd. Uh, that the video game system was not part of the the ecosystem, but there was like there was this feeling because everything was very like silver brushed aluminum kind of look to it that felt very futuristic to me. Uh, Sony also at that time released the Ibo. Do you remember the Ibo? No. The the robot dog. Oh yeah 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 okay yeah. They they pushed that thing hard. <laughs> um, that to me was sort of a, that that that's that's another to me failed attempt of the future. The idea of a robot pet. Um. Instead, like the the first like real like viable consumer robot vacuums our floors. It'd be fitting that it's like <laughs> it will be a slave to us. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, um, well, so we you know we're we're talking about how we envision the future and and moments where we feel like we're in the future, and, and which it's caused most... us to talk all about the past. But go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it it you know we kind of talk a lot about it, it's sort of cause it's 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 interesting because i've noticed you know we're, we're talking mostly about technology um yeah and now that we are adults in our um i said 30s i censored it and then late 30s yeah. <sighs> mid mid. Uh, okay mid 30s fine. <laughs> sure. i only got one more year of mid 30s back off pal <laughs> um now we're adults and um, I still think about the future. 
that never stopped really happening for me. Um, and and what I want to know from you guys is how do you think about the future now? Like, what what do you think about when you think about the future now that you're an adult? I hope there is one. <laughs> Sorry, is that too bleak? <laughs> no, I mean it fits perfectly. I I am kind of the I, same way. Uh, here's what I think. Uh, I one of the things I noticed is that since the year 2000, um, our depiction of the future has been very has has skewed more toward dystopia. Yeah. And um, I know that this is something Brad Bird talked about as one of the reasons why he made the movie Tomorrowland was this, you know, and it's it, you know, as, as Matt commented about, we were talking about the past, but it, it's weird as it is to say, like, I'm kind of nostalgic for the future um, <laughs> because we've tended toward this very dystopian view of the future. And, you know, we've, yeah, technology. I think part of it is that the fact that our technology is caught up to what we thought the future was going to be because we had a very technocratic kind of, uh, technolo techno tech um te ah, I can't think of like the right kind of technology uh, terminology for this but yeah. this idea that you know sort of like I guess like a technopoly I don't know anyway um technologists um yeah. but I I think of the future I mean kind of what prompted me to suggest we talk about this was you know you had mentioned um with when we did the episode with good Christian fun that your family was getting into cannabis farming. Right. Um, and we were talking about this on the phone the other day and I made a comment about cricket farming. And like, so I think of, I, I, for me, like agriculture, I think of very futuristically and I think of renewable um, agricultural processes um, and things that we do with better land management. To me, that's very futuristic. It makes me very hopeful. Um, I'm very interested in alternative protein sources like, um, you know, we have the Impossible Burger, which is an entirely plant-based burger, but it, by all accounts, looks and acts like meat. I've been um, wanting to try that because actually, there's actually, uh, to, to, much to my surprise, there's a couple of places here in Norman, Oklahoma, that actually serves the uh, Beyond Burger, I think. Yes, the Beyond Burger is served at BurgerFi here in uh, in South Florida, and it is amazing. I love, yeah. I love the Beyond Burger. Um, you know, so I think of like, Cricket farming, crickets being something as part of our regular dietary. Like I see that to me seems very futuristic. I'm, eating. I'm bugs. waiting for. I'm waiting for our soiling green moment with the like Beyond Burger and stuff. <laughs> Beyond Burger. Well, you, you, <laughs> Sorry. There is soylent. You could you could have soylent. That's a. Yeah, but I but I but I but I think so. I think that these sorts of you know when I look at when I look at what the kind of stuff that we can do in terms of climate science. Like that makes me very hopeful for the future. Of course, I you know when I start thinking about the fact that um, politicians have to agree to implement this stuff, I get a little less optimistic. Yeah. Um, but I think ultimately that's where things are going. I think sustainability, renewability. I think that stuff is very oh. futuristic, and I and I feel <clears throat> I feel I feel like it's going to happen. Um, whether it happens now or later is part of the conversation, but I think eventually it will happen. Um, I think, you know, Miami might be underwater by the time we, we get wise to this stuff, but that's I mean, it kind of belongs underwater, right? Like it, it's sort of like Florida actually belo mostly belongs all underwater. Of yeah. All of Florida was supposed to be underwater. I mean, we you guys will, you guys will adapt. 
we dried it up so we could live here. And then we're like, why are there mosquitoes? Uh, you cleaned up the swamp so you could live in it, guys. I mean, so pretty much everything like south of Kissimmee is supposed to be underwater. It's just be swampland. The <laughs> fact that we like drained it and like built up all these piles of land and stuff, and we're like, yeah, we can live here. That's just not right. <laughs> we weren't about, supposed to do that. How about putting mansions on barrier islands? The stupidest thing we've ever done. <laughs> I was I was in Atlanta um, evacuating from Hurricane Francis or Jean uh, back in our freshman year or our, our sophomore year of, of, of or, yeah sophomore <clears throat> year of college, and I was talking to a guy also from Miami on the Marta in Atlanta, and he was telling me he was an old he was an older man, and he was said he said. You know, when I was a kid growing up in Miami, um, we did not build houses over on the beach side. You just, you didn't do that. He said, it actually goes back to the old song, you know, from Sunday school, the, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. He's like, well, you just kind of understood that you just didn't do that. <laughs> that's yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, but, but you guys will adapt, right? It'll be like, it'll be like water world in Florida. That's how I envision I just hope I evolve gills like 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 uh, like like Kevin Costner. That would be pretty I think, awesome. I'll I drink think my own pee. Uh... <laughs> Which is funny thing about that, by the way, that is technology that apparently Kevin Costner swears by. Oh yeah, he does because he tried to use it to clean up the oil in the Gulf. <laughs> yeah, do you remember that? Oh, I do funny. remember that. I but I you know by the way, here's another crazy future thing. Um, in the science classrooms here at my school. They have this machine that it pulls ambient moisture out of the air and turns it into drinkable water. Wow. Like it's a water fountain, but it has no bottle. It's just constantly distilling the ambient humidity and turning it into drinkable water. Wow. It is incredible. So I, I would say, Chuck, pretty hopeful. Pretty optimistic. Yeah, I think... Long-term optimistic, short-term, I don't know. Long-term, I'm pretty optimistic. I think we will figure this stuff out because I think the, when we look at the arc of human history, we've kind of, you know, we, 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 we do adapt and we do, we do, you know, we've, you know, we, we, we did awful things with the industrial revolution, but then we immediately started trying, you know, we, after a while we realized we needed to clean that stuff up. And I think we started to move in a, in a better, in a better direction. I think it's what we do as a species. Cool. What about you, Matt? I think our only hope was an alien invasion. <laughs> <laughs> and some kind of intervention. And you know how like no, but everything You're talking about like first contact, right? About, like 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 the Vulcans yeah, show like, up and that just changes our, everything. Yeah, our only hope is that we go, oh crap, guys, if we don't unite, we're gonna disappear. Um Oh, it's like the watchmen uh uh the, the, the Watchmen uh, scenario where Vite uh, creates the monster that destroys cities. and Yeah, but I'm not going to be a terrorist, JP. <laughs> I don't want to create the thing that destroys us. <laughs> but no, I feel like we... Yeah, we have such a long way to go. But I think faith-wise, um, I mean, my faith is based on the basically the understanding that long-term some things are going to get figured out. You know what I mean? We're going to, we're going to work this out. We're going to have a, an amazing city people can live in and all that kind of stuff. But I, I yeah, I, I'm not the visionary. I don't see it. I just, um, 
right now I'm like, okay, what do we do to make sure that we get through tomorrow? Yeah. Um, well, you watched a, doc- a, a documentary recently. Oh, look at the segue. Yeah. Oh, there's I another failed future thing. Over. The segue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it failed before well, I got like, to try one. Like, I always well, want to try one. I still you ever tried one? Try. They're awesome. No. Segway Steve at PBA, he had one. Yeah. And it was, he let me drive it. It was, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> Sorry. I'm so <laughs> glad I was never like Segway Steve. <laughs> now you're jump to conclusions matt jump to conclusions matt i'm okay with that one <laughs> anyways so, so jp is going to try to help you jump to a conclusion go for it jp yeah okay so you you, you watched this documentary uh which was what was it what did i watch won't you, you be my the- neighbor <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you be my neighbor, the, the Mr. Rogers? Uh, um, I watched it twice. You watched it twice? Yeah, I had Heather watch it last night. Okay. So you liked so it. I watched it. Um, I loved it. I loved it. Well, I'm bringing great. this up because, like, you know, we're talking about the future, and you were talking mm-hmm. the way you were talking to the, about the movie to me and to us and, and the messenger mm-hmm. uh, was about how, like, the sort of the end result of, of, of his way of thinking. And how, like, you know, as he was aging and as he was kind of becoming more aware of what was happening around the world, uh, you know, he was starting to kind of question, are things going to get better? We're talking or, about, by the way, you haven't mentioned it in case our listeners yeah, don't know. We're talking Fred about Rogers. Fred, yeah, Fred Rogers. Mr. Oh. Rogers from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Well, I said it was um, a Mr. But, Rogers documentary. But if somebody is listening to this podcast, they've heard of Won't You my neighbor because that's a lot bigger than us <laughs> so yeah. if they found us they know that yeah. but no but yeah the um the mr rogers neighborhood documentary um won't you be my neighbor and it was incredible i watched it at work and i sent jp and chuck a message and was like i'm really glad that i'm working by myself tonight and that nothing happened for about three hours because otherwise i'd be crying my eyes out at work in front of everybody and glad that that wasn't the case um but the documentary is so incredible and just this guy's vision of how to reach people and interact with people and bring love and hope into the world um but then at the end of it it takes this turn whereas he got older in life and 9-11 happened and they asked him to come back and comment on it and he basically was overwhelmed by kind of the idea of was any of it worth it? Like, does it really make a difference? What am I going to say? Is it going to do anything? Um, But again, then there's a shift and it ends on such like a hopeful moment where you get this glimpse of all these people who he's touched personally and how they are better people and have a hope for something better because of him. And like how that's our goal and hope for the future is that our interaction with whoever we come in contact with, we have a little role in sparking a desire in them to reach out to the next person in love and hope and joy. And that that's kind of like the infectious idea that can change the world is come be a part of this. Like instead of fighting each other all the time, that's what we like to do. We like to argue and fight and not listen anymore. But 
How, how do you think that sort of affects your outlook on the future? Um, well, I think it lines up a lot with, I kind of jokingly said it, but I think it actually lines up with it that my, my view of the future is I don't know if anything's going to get better in our lifetime. Um, I don't know if it's going to get better in our children's lifetime, but I'm hoping it does. But I have a hope for the future because of faith and things like that. But my hope is that my being here will at least nudge things one step more in the right direction. Um, we might not see uh, some kind of like worldwide moment of peace while we're, while we're around. Um, but I could be one more step toward that. And the people I come into contact with can start to take one step in that direction because they came into contact with me. Um, so my hope and vision of the future is that I, I don't become a cynic and allow myself to be, you know, buried under, look how horrible things are and become one of those people, but instead be like, look at the opportunity we have to be here and be alive right now and how I can spread an excitement and joy to the people around me just because I'm here and I have the chance to do so. Um, and that that's a concept to me that can change everything. Show the next person, whoever you come into contact with today, go, hey, guess what? You're worth something. You mean something, you matter. Um, and, and live your life that way. I think, I think that would be my hope for the future or mass alien invasion that we're forced, <laughs> we're forced to join together and fight. Um, You're mean, thinking like an Independence Day scenario. Love, joy, and peace, or redemptive violence as we band together to kill the evil people. Um, I'm just kidding. As, <laughs> as an aside, um, and you can cut this, but because Matt mentioned it, um, and, I, and this I think would sort of go against his little hopeful note here, so we probably should cut this. Um, but is, um, Bash my dreams, man, go ahead. I, I happened to see yesterday, um, where, um, they took the speech from the speech from independence day. Yeah. And, uh, Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> what did the voices over it? Really? It is hilarious. Oh my no, gosh. Don't, <laughs> don't cut that because here's another great thing. Um, Humor and people who don't agree with you or see things your way are always going to be part of life, too. And I'm not saying Gilbert Gottfried is being like a hopeful speech is meaningless and awful. He's no, he's not. It's just it's just fun. Um, yeah, he's just making fun of something. But I will say people need to learn on a bigger scale that disagreement does not mean failure and disagreement does not mean that I can't you know, get past it and find joy and hope and people not getting it and mocking you and hating you. Um, you better expect that if you're trying to trying to stand out and make a difference, you can't make everybody happy all the time. You know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, no, but hopeful, hopeful, reach out to people, show them they matter, tell them they care. And then Gilbert Gottfried reminds us also be able to laugh at yourself. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, I think in these past few years, I, I've thought a lot about the future, you know, especially in the context of like my life and stuff. And, and, um, there is something that I, I, I read, I think I, I heard, uh, uh, Cornell West say once, and it's kind of stuck with me for years. 
and they were asking him if he had any uh, hope for the future, if things were going to get better. And Cornell West said, um, I mean, he, he went to a long thing. I don't really remember everything he said, but he ended it, he punctuated it with, I do have hope for the future, but I'm not optimistic about it. Hmm. And that there, there's a, there, there, there is a kind of, and, and I, I kind of, I, I definitely feel that I get it. Like I, there is sort of, a, I think there could be a clash between like hope and, and like an optimism. And because when I think of the future, like I don't have much hope for this planet. <laughs> like I think uh, a lot of things have gone wrong. I think there's been a lot of evidence that things might get worse um, in terms of like some, you know, the climate, uh, some geopolitical stuff. Um, but I also, so like, I'm not optimistic about like the direction this planet is heading and, and, and just the state of it. But at the same time, I do feel like people are getting better and that no matter how bad it probably gets, I think that we will still get better. And I think that we sort of underestimate um, the sort of inherent goodness of humanity. And that, that sounds so cheesy, the inherent goodness of humanity. Like that sounds like something, I don't know. It's like, I don't know. I don't want anyone to well, think Tony Robbins would say, I don't know. Uh, but well, it, no. it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like something that Fred Rogers getting back to Mr. Rogers, one of the things Fred Rogers always talks about is, you know, like, you know, look for the helpers, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's in the midst of, in the midst of great evil and the midst of great wickedness, there's always someone counterbalancing that, exactly. but we, we, our attention is always on the big bad thing. We always miss the little goods that compound over time. And it's like, well, it and, of, yeah, go ahead. And, um, you, you said it. And since you brought up the documentary, you gave me permission to talk about it. So yeah, I'll go ahead. deal with it now. But there's also a guy who's interviewed throughout the, um, the documentary he, he's just one of the people you know commenting and telling stories he had an incredible quote that you just reminded me of where he said that if you if you fail to acknowledge that there is inherent good in everybody then you fail to follow one of the fundamental beliefs of of the gospel and that you are a child and daughter of the king and I was like, yeah, if you fail to hold on to humanity has a goodness to it, then you're denying the fundamental beliefs of the message that I place my faith in, that I'm a, a child of God, I'm a son, a daughter um, of a king, that I have worth and meaning and purpose. And so, yeah, no, JP, I don't think it's cheesy. You have to hold on to humanity has a goodness. And that's why when the alien invasion happens, we'll band together and turn into a great world. Yeah, so. <laughs> and that, I mean, and that is one thing I, I'm actually very optimistic for, which is the alien invasion. The invasion, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't have Sorry, hope don't for that, that but I'm optimistic about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, no, but no, it, 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 it's it's it, it feels mainly because like you just start to kind of you when you look at today's world and 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 I feel like the badness is. I don't, I don't know if I want to get into this. I feel like there's so much more amplification than there is like an actual reality. Oh no, you're totally right. And more of a distortion than there actually is reality, especially with like how media has become so manipulated now. And, and I'm not, I'm not both sides. I'm not, I'm not going to go to right-wing media, left-wing media, right-wing media sucks. So I'll stick to that. Uh, but 
Um, I, I will say that uh, I, the more I learn about sensationalism, the more it's like really people's vision of, of, of the world is so distorted. And I, but I, I think we just take it for granted. And I think like when I think of, so, of how many people are pursuing things like religion and not just Christianity, but like all religions. And, and, and I, and, and I know like a lot of Christians would probably take umbrage with something like that. Like, Oh, they should be, it's, it's very sad that people would, would want to be a Muslim or a Buddhist and not a Christian. I'm like, no, think about it. These people are, tr are, they're trying to find not just meaning, but also trying very hard to be good people. Yeah. And that, that, that that's a lot of people who are pursuing that. And it's like, I don't, we don't think about that. We don't think about how many people are actually genuinely trying to be good. And that's why I think, I, I think, and, and, and I, I, that, that occurs to me because I don't think there is much representation, at least in our country of how many like good people there are in this country. And, and I, and I feel like that also can apply to the rest of the world. And I feel like it's, it's sort of bubbling to the top. And I feel like the planet will probably descend into chaos. Like things are probably gonna go wrong. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, asteroids, I don't know, uh, horrible climate change effects. Um, and you know, people in power, I think people in power are going to get worse actually as well. Um, but I think the normal people like you and me and everybody around us, I think we're going to get better. And I think it's inevitable. Whether or not we'll all survive, I don't know about that. <laughs> But I do think we will at least be good. I think we will at least try. Well, I mean, I think, ah. I think, I think, I mean, obviously, as a as a Christian who believes in the return of Jesus and in the resurrection, the idea that, yeah, I mean, the, first of all, the Book of Revelation says everything you just said, JP. Like it's going, you know, like things are going to get bad. Like you think it's bad now? It's going to keep getting bad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it, but the 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 hopeful, the ultimate message of the Christian religion is that in those moments where it seems that it's absolute worse, like at some point Jesus is going to come back and this is going to set it all right. And so I think the ultimate, the ultimate message being that in the end it gets, it gets set right. It gets to be made perfect. It gets to be exactly it. We, you, we do reach utopia. It happens. Um, I think that's at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian and why we have to always be hopeful because, you know, but it gives us this realistic approach to it of saying that, you know, yeah, it's not just going to keep, you know, this measurable arc of goodness. We're going to see setbacks. We're going to see missteps. We're going to see those things, but eventually it's going to get there and it's going to get there in spite of us. And I think that's the important thing that the gospel talks about is we can't make it happen on our own. We need someone from outside to step in. So in some ways, Matt's alien invasion piece is right. Like someone from outside is kind of have to step in and sort of say, all right, here's how we do it. And, oh. and, and we'll be like, oh, okay. Well, we tried really hard a lot of times and we got really close sometimes and we were far other times, but yeah, you're right. Here we are. And it, and it's, and it will just be right. It'll just happen. Well, and, and, and the Bible from, from, you know, my faith and the point of view, I see it and the Bible makes it pretty stinking clear and you can believe what you want to believe about the book of Revelation. You can say it's literal. You can say nothing about it. it's literal. You can say it's just a great story. Um, whatever you want to say about it, what you can't deny is the message behind the book of Revelation is that things are going to get worse before it gets better. And that 
the hope that we have that it's going to get better is what gets us through. And by joining together and living how we're supposed to live and reaching out to each other the way we're supposed to, we will get to where we're supposed to be. But we have to remember it's going to be rough along the way and it's going to get worse. And hopefully we're, you know, the, the hope is always that we're at the end of the worst and we're starting to move the right way. But people, I think, get discouraged and go, there's no hope. And it's like, no, there's always hope. But, I mean, it was pretty clear in faith. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get bad, guys. It's going to get really bad. Um, but we can get through it, and there's hope in the end. Right. Yeah. Um, so alien invasions. <laughs> that's. I think that maybe they be like an artificial intelligence or just like a biological, like gelatinous so. Maybe silicon based. Here's one that here's one that makes my brain is um, how do we know that they're not like insect sized and they've been here and we've X Files noticed them because they were the size of insects. As X Files. <laughs> Good episode black. about that on X Files. It has roaches and I hate it. Oh, well, that's I one was, of the. I, uh, I was thinking more like like fruit flies or something like they're really small. You know, like yeah, yeah. Right. Roaches are aliens. I believe it. I hate them. Evil. Anyway, <laughs> that's a that's a Darren Morgan episode, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Who's the my favorite writer in X Files? Hoverboards. Yeah, where's anyway. my hoverboard? Um, and uh, you know what? I I think I I do have hope and optimism that we we will we will see hoverboards in our lifetime. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on to that. <laughs> I'm gonna hold on to it. And I and they're gonna be affordable, the... and everyone's gonna be able to ha own one. And I for the foreseeable future and predicting um, the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> we reached the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts or whatever you want to say. Anything? Uh, no. I, should I should probably um, point to some things like the, the bell that you should be ringing to get notifications for the episodes. I have plenty of final thoughts, but I will let you look forward to those in the future. Okay. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I'm making uh, sure people don't ring that bell because I just lost all our listeners. Carry on. <laughs> ring that bell and comment, like, subscribe, and um, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Um, we've, we've got uh, at least one new review. Uh, thank you, Julie. And um, yeah, so just keep tuning in. And uh, everybody, please have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey. Good journey.